Jesus is alive. You know, he, uh, Jesus uh, gave himself on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again. And uh, I believe, I believe in Easter. And uh, do you know why I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? It's because there is compelling proof. And lately, I've just been going on, uh, thinking in my mind about all the different lines of evidence that together uh, form kind of a proof of the truth of Easter. The first line of evidence is biblical proof. I believe that Jesus is alive because the Bible that records his resurrection is completely reliable. Of course, many ancient documents are not reliable because they show signs of phoniness or fiction or fabrication. But the Gospels, which record the resurrection of Jesus, are considered by textual scholars to be the gold standard for textual uh, historicity and authenticity and accuracy. Why? Well, for one, uh, because the Gospels show marks of being literal history. And, and historical accounts by the way they reference specific places and specific times, and they reference real names of real public figures and real eyewitnesses who were still alive at the writing of the Gospels and therefore could be cross-examined. Another mark of the authenticity of the Gospels are how they are unflattering to their authors. You've got Peter denying and Thomas doubting and John hiding out of fear, and you've got the men letting the women go to the tomb while they stay in safety. It's this authentic report. In fact, listen to all the little eyewitness details in this Easter account from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Peter and John and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and I don't know where they have put him. So Peter and John started for the tomb. Both were running, but John outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying, and on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked out of fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Did you notice all the little eyewitness details in that account, uh, the running speed and the linen placement. They, they're there to show that John is, is giving us an authentic account of something that really happened. Then, beyond this biblical proof, there's another line of evidence you could call historical 
proof, which refers to the mountain of evidences that come from secular sources. Uh, just one tiny example uh, relates to how archaeologists have uh, unearthed Jerusalem documents uh, written in the months following the Easter event. And these documents are penned by government officials who are giving reports to their superiors and attempting to explain away the uproar in the city and accusing believers of stealing Jesus' body. Then there's also follow-up documents uh, with legislation uh, proposed for stricter laws related to grave robbing. Do you see how these documents uh, actually amount to historical evidence for the resurrection? How? Well, all the anti-resurrection dialogue here uh, in this period presupposes the empty tomb. The argument always begins with, now about this empty tomb that everybody is talking about. But what about that claim? What about that claim that the disciples stole Jesus' body? Well, that leads to the greatest of all Easter proofs. I'm talking about what you might call living proof. It starts with those very disciples we read about who were hiding behind closed doors uh, for fear after the crucifixion. They did not stay timid, but something transformed them after Easter. Peter, James, and John and the disciples went from being guys who deserted Jesus and denied Jesus and doubted Jesus to guys who couldn't be intimidated or silenced from their proclaiming of the good news that they had seen Jesus alive and that he was risen from the grave. As a result, no serious student of history believes that these disciples stole Jesus' body because Peter, James, and John, and all the others suffered brutal torture and excruciating deaths for their claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Their miraculous transformation from fearful to fearlessness made Peter, James, and John living proof that Jesus was alive. But it doesn't stop with them. Men and women believed their report uh, and accepted this gospel message, and one by one, each true follower of Jesus shows signs of transformation through their faith in Jesus and through their receiving of the breath of the life-changing spirit of Jesus. And this has been going on now for 2,000 years, rippling out to millions upon millions of people, including those who follow Jesus right here, right now in this room. Every day, Jesus proves that he's alive by transforming ordinary people like us by his extraordinary presence and power. Recently, I was... Uh, on my way to an early morning meeting and I uh, pulled off the highway to a restaurant where I was served by a guy named Patrick. And since I was the only one uh, in the place, uh, Patrick and I had a chance to talk. And we soon got beyond the weather and started talking about life. And I found that, like most heart-honest people, Patrick readily confessed 
that he lived with a weight of worry and anxiety and fear. And as he was pouring my coffee, I, I told Patrick how I deal with my worries, how I bring my worries to Jesus in prayer. And then I said, Patrick, would you mind if I were to pray with you right now and right now we just give your worries to Jesus? And uh, Patrick said that he would like that and uh, so I prayed with him right there. And after the prayer, uh, Patrick said in a very serious tone that he sensed a peace that he had never sensed before as we were praying and that he wanted to follow Jesus. And I think he was telling me the truth because when I got up to leave, he told me to wait. And then when he came back from the kitchen, Patrick gave me a big hug and a bag of warm chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> yeah. Now Patrick is on his way to becoming living proof. How do I know? You know that God is moving when a grown man gives you a hug and a bag of cookies. <laughs> and as I walked away, it struck me that I'm living proof that Jesus is alive because I was once trapped in constant worry and anxiety. But as I followed Jesus, he's transforming me just like he transformed Peter, James, and John. How about you? Are you living proof that Jesus is alive? Were you once a worrier and now you're a worshiper? Then you're living proof. Were you once a hater, but now you have his love? You're living proof. Were you once in pieces, but now you have his peace? Then you are living proof of the truth of Easter. On the other hand, if you're here and you realize that you are not really living in a relationship with this risen Savior, then this is the perfect place, this is the perfect time to just whisper a, a prayer of faith to Jesus and open up your heart to the breath of his life-transforming spirit. Make today the day when you not only believe that Jesus is alive, but you become his living proof. My anxiety was really crippling. I had no relationship with my wife. I struggled with depression, anxiety, and bitterness. I spent a lot of time working and at happy hours, rather than being home supporting and loving my wife. When I was in labor with my son, I suffered from a severe complication called amniotic fluid embolism. Um, it caused my heart to, my lungs to collapse and my heart to stop. After 17 minutes with no pulse, the doctors were gonna um, call my death, um, but God gave me a second chance. And at 19 minutes, they found a steady heart rate. I fully recovered, found Black Rock Church, and I'm able to be a mom to my kids and a wife to my husband. So my anxiety was really crippling and it sent me into a really dark depression. So I started really delving deep into scripture and it was amazing to feel this hope all of a sudden. I still struggle from time to time, but my relationship with Jesus has given me hope. So our marriage was a mess and almost ended in divorce. 
but we continued on our journey with Jesus and he has been faithful to guide us through all of these things. When we've been selfish, we were able to give each other grace. Through that, we had a lot of times of resurrection and renewal. And miraculously, now God uses us and our marriage to serve and help other couples. In my life, I've experienced brokenness in my family, in friendships and romantic relationships. And as a result, I struggled with depression, anxiety, and bitterness. God was so relentless in showing me His desire for wholeness and intimacy. I'm now a part of a supportive family at Sanctuary, and I'm engaged to an incredible man. It wasn't until I moved to Connecticut, uh, that's when I started to feel like you know, there was an air of prejudice, you know, racism. So I didn't know how to really deal with that. Nobody ever taught me how to deal with that. And so my way of dealing with that was to give a little bit of what they gave to me back to them. The biggest thing for me was Jesus said, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. That kind of helped stir something in me to have conversations with people, to hear their stories and where they were coming from. And that actually started to change something in me, uh, but then also allowed me to extend grace to them and show love to them. I grew up about two miles away from Black Rock and I never even knew who Jesus was or what it meant to be a Christian. I really struggled with my identity and my family and where I fit in. And then God brought me to Sanctuary, where I found two things that I never knew existed, genuine community and having a relationship with Jesus. The only thing I was worried about was drinking and doing drugs. I had no relationship with my wife. My kids didn't have the father they deserved. The drugs and alcohol took over. So God totally transformed my life, totally. Uh, I have a great relationship with my wife. We're so in love, head over heels in love with each other. Uh, my, fa my kids finally have the father they deserve. And um, coming up this July, will be I've been sober for three years. My name is Fran Lyon. I've been teaching Bible for 51 years at Black Rock Church. In 2010, I discovered that I had cancer and after a long process of treatment and prayer, I was cured. My life is living proof. My sobriety is living proof. Our, Our marriage is, is living, living proof. proof. My peace is living proof. My salvation is living proof. My redeemed relationships are living proof. My changed perspective is living proof. I just turned 91, I'm cancer free, and I'm living proof. We wanna thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.